Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. We are going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 4. I didn't put a, oh, I did put a marker in there. Look at that. Look, I put a receipt in there as my bookmark. Are you, I, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a minimalist hoarder. I don't know how to say that any better, but I tend to use anything close to me as a bookmark in my Bible. So you never know what you're going to find in here. I found money in here once, like that was cool, right? I found a dollar. Oh, and I hate bent pages. Is anybody a corner bender, like on your pages? Oh, no. Your poor books, your poor books. But how are we doing today? We good? We good? If you are youth, I am so happy that you're in here, but I am going to apologize. Sorry. Um, there's no youth today because they're all at camp and you get to hang out with me. Yay! Um, the other thing is I want to invite you all to some good old-fashioned fun and fellowship after church. We're going to have a potluck today. It's actually, I was thinking about it last service, this is the first time in years like years, I can't even count how many years, three, maybe four years that we've had a potluck. So we're going to go outside. The sun has come out. Amen. Is anybody excited about the sunshine? Yes. I'm so excited about the sunshine. Um, But today we're going to get into the word. We're going to talk about Matthew 4, about Jesus's time in the desert um, before he began his ministry. But first I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Lord's been speaking to me um, in person. Um, I have been meditating on Psalms 91 for months now, months and months. The Lord put it on my heart to really, um, get into scripture. And I, even at one point I looked at the original text and I translated it and looked at every single word of Psalms 91 to see exactly how the Lord wanted me to apply it to my life. But what it, what it comes down to is Psalms 91 talks about choosing to live under the covering of God choosing to live under his wings, under his banner, under his protection. And then it gives us all these promises of what God does when we choose to exist, dwell, and abide in his fellowship and under his covering. And so it's really beautiful. Um, If you have time to go look at it, I'm not going to read Psalms 91 today. But what led me to this scripture is part of Psalms 91 is inside Matthew 4. And I always think it's interesting to see how Scripture just overlaps and overlaps and overlaps itself to really tell us the same thing over and over again, that we're to come to the Lord with all that we have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to live and dwell and exist with Him in that. And He wants to live and dwell and exist with us inside all the messes of our life, which I just think is amazing. But the... The thing that the Lord brought to mind as I was studying this scripture in Matthew and Psalms 91 is that God has a mode of operation, and the devil has a mode of operation, and we have our own personal mode of operation. And what I pulled from this scripture really is, is that I was praying with the Lord, and he he really challenged me. He's like, are you choosing to live under my covering? Are you choosing to live under my covering? I'm like, well, yeah, of course I am. Like, I work at a church. I'm a pastor, obviously. Like, I choose to live under your covering. And the Lord confronted me 
and ask me, then why are you operating from a defensive posture? Why is that how I'm choosing to operate? And so the Lord's been working on my heart really to get before him and to operate from an offensive posture. And that means really relying on him to be my defender and to be my strength and to be the tower that I run to and to be the wings that I exist under. And all of these promises that Psalms 91 says, it only works if I give up my defense, exist offensively and let him defend me. And so today as we read Matthew 4, I want you guys to ask yourselves a couple questions that are in your bulletin. Um, First, what strategies do you need to implement in your own life to offensively prepare for what God has planned for you? What strategies do you need to implement to offensively exist in his presence? And then what defensive strategies is he calling you to lay down? What defensive strategies is he calling you to turn over to him and let him take care of? Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it does not return void, Lord. Father, allow Holy Spirit to minister to us today through your word. Show us the places in our lives that we need you to shift and adjust so that we can choose to dwell under your safety and your authority and your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can live less defensive lives and adopt an offensive posture because you have already won the battle. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need to fight. We just need to dwell and trust in you. In your name, amen. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be in Matthew 4. I'm going to read the story and then we're going to talk about it. So Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So when I start reading a story in the Bible, I kind of like to ask the Lord, what's up? What are you doing? What are you showing me? And in this scripture, I was like, what is Jesus up to? In my mind, Jesus does not need to fast for 40 days for 40 nights. I'm in, and in my human mind, I'm like, he's God. Yes, he's fully God and fully man. He knows the plan. He knows the things. He knows why he's on earth. Jesus knows. So why does he have to go fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights? Why does he have to be led by the Spirit into the desert? And why, why does he have to be tempted by the devil? And why is he tempted by the devil? And so there are a few reasons, but one of them was that Jesus was preparing for what the Lord had set before him. He was preparing for this next season 
in his life. And he was walking into his purpose and his calling, the very reason that God had put him on earth. And so he went into the wilderness to be alone, to fast and to pray and to get ready. And God has created each one of us perfectly for a purpose. And amazingly, we all have different purposes. We all have different callings. We all have different lives. But he's also called us to prepare so that we are ready. We're ready for what he's called us to. We're ready for any obstacles or temptations that come up. But he really asks us to come to the table of preparation and get ready for what he has. Jesus was not missing. He was not hiding in the wilderness. He didn't run away. Um, Sometimes we use this story to compare our own hopelessness or our wilderness moments in our own lives um, to this story, but this is not that. Jesus was not lost. Jesus was preparing, and he was intentional in what he was doing. He was fasting. He was praying. He went somewhere to be alone, away from the world, away from the noise, and he went to deal with the temptations first. He went to deal with the devil first before what was going to happen was going to happen. And he chooses to face it head on. I don't know about you, but when I feel the most defensive is when things happen that I'm not prepared for, right? Or things that I've intentionally done wrong and I'm backtracking, right? I still have to defend my behavior, right? Does anybody else feel that way sometimes? But mostly, I feel defensive when things pop up that I had no clue were happening, like I was not privy to the agenda, like even weird random things, like you pop a tire somewhere or something happens, that's when I get the most frustrated and defensive. And a long time ago, in a different lifetime, I found myself in a space and time of extreme selfishness, extreme, I want to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And what had happened is I had chosen to do whatever makes me feel good. I had chosen to decide that I didn't want to do whatever God wanted me to do and that I deserved to have as much fun and be as happy as everyone else, right? Because everybody's happy. Did you know? But I had walked out of his covering. I had intentionally walked out of what the Lord had called me to and walked out from under his covering and his protection. And oftentimes we look at scripture and we, we grab onto these promises, but we forget to look in the verses before that says, do this, get close to me, talk to me, love me, be in relationship with me, live under my covering, and then blah, 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 right? We like to pick and choose all the little things that make us feel good. But we're in a relationship with the Lord, and he expects us to participate in that relationship. But anyways, back in the day, I was treating God pretty much like a doormat. Um, I had moved to a place where I didn't know anyone intentionally. I had moved to a place where I thought I had friends who basically abandoned me. Um, I had felt entitled. I had felt like I could do whatever I wanted to do because I'm an adult, right? And so, but I found myself in this space where I was jobless, almost homeless, and didn't know what to do. And so I chose to go back to what I knew worked, right? I know that my relationship with the Lord works. I know that he loves me. I know that he has these plans for me. 
And so I put on my boots and I marched around that house and I claimed it for the Lord and I anointed the doors with oil and I prayed in the spirit and I said, this is going to be the beginning of a new life. This is going to change. This is going to change things. The Lord is going to change things because he loves me and he is true to his word. And all of that's very true, but I had created my own circumstances. And the Lord basically said, that's good, great, and wonderful, but you created these circumstances and I will walk with you as you get out but you still created your own circumstances. I was responding to my situation that I had very much put myself in from a defensive posture. I had abandoned the covering of the Lord and living out of an offensive posture that just lets him take care of me. And I had taken matters into my own hands. And I think we all do this at various times, whether it's with finances or whether it's with raising kids or whether it's literal meal planning, like I got a plan. I got a plan. My plan is a great plan and the Lord created me. So it must be his plan too, right? No, the Lord calls us to operate under his covering. The other thing is temptation and suffering can be a tool that prepares us, that can teach us sometimes and gives us the opportunity to get back under that covering that the Lord's called us to be under. He will absolutely, I'm not a person that's going to say, oh, that happened for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. No, but he will absolutely use everything that has happened to you for his good purposes if we choose to get back under that covering. And so Jesus went into the wilderness under the covering of the Lord, led by the Holy Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights to fast and to pray, and to address the temptation, to address the adversary directly in front of him. This wasn't a spiritual exercise either. I think sometimes we think, oh, fast and pray, fast and pray. I'm a good Christian, fast and pray. Um, This was not a spiritual exercise. This wasn't something to build up his confidence. Jesus didn't need a confidence booster. Um, This was a period of forced dependence, intentional forced dependence on his God and Father. Hebrews 5 tells us that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Verse 7 in Hebrews 5 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. In some texts, it says Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the desert. When we follow Holy Spirit or when we're driven by the Spirit, we force the adversary to stand clearly in front of us so that we can deal with him directly. When we are led by the Spirit, I want you to get this. Like, this is not a oh, I operate in Holy Spirit, oh, I pray to the Lord, oh, I talk to the Lord all the time. No, when we are led, when we are following, when we are in line with Holy Spirit, then we can come up against the adversary and look him dead in the eyes and say, nope, not today. The other thing we need to look at is Jesus' circumstances, right? We all have circumstances, but what had happened just before this? Just before Jesus goes into the desert, he had been baptized, 
He had been baptized. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and his father said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He had been called out, called out for a purpose, and he was walking into this section of his life that he needed to prepare for. And so before he is tempted, he goes into the desert. He fasts and prays. He separates himself from the world. But he was also in a humble frame of mind. He had been claimed by God the Father, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had separated himself from the world. When we make a decision to put ourselves under this covering, to go out in what God's called us to, we have to come humbly We have to be obedient to the Father. We have to accept that the Lord has claimed us as his own. I think sometimes our own brains convince ourselves that we're not good enough, that there's no way that we're worthy enough, all these things. But God claims us. He claims us as his own. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then separated from the world before we step into the things that he's called us to. And so he does all these things and goes into the desert with the Holy Spirit to deal with the devil one-on-one. Not on the defense, but on the offense because he's prepared. Often we do the opposite, right? Bad things happen, and then we get defensive. Instead of preparing, you know, oh, darn it, my bank account's negative. Like, that's not your fault. I mean, I've been there. I'm not blaming anybody, but... Like, I can, I can prepare for what the Lord has for me. I can prepare I can prepare a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for my kids. It's going to tell me in five minutes that she's hungry, right? We're having a potluck, right? What did I do? I threw two fruit snacks and two granola bars in a bag because my kids aren't eating anything anybody makes. I'm sorry. They're just those kids. So I have prepared in the little things and in the big things. God calls us to live under his covering in all the things in our life, even the things that you don't think are important. Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would be too. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, make these rocks bread. I want us to notice something here. Satan's not asking a question. It sounds like a question, but it's not a question. There's no question mark. It says, if you are the son of God, make these rocks bread. He's not questioning whether or not Jesus is the son of God. He's asking him to prove it. He's challenging the son of God. And Satan does the same thing to us. The Lord talks to us. The Lord loves us. We know what we're supposed to do most of the time. And he gives us direction, whether through his word or through his Holy Spirit. And so we get to a place where I'm like, yes, I know what God wants me to do. I know what God wants me to do. And then Satan's little voice comes along and says, prove it. Satan appeals to our strengths and strokes our egos. The part of ourselves that says, I can do this. I got this. I can take care of this. That's the part that he speaks to. Or the competitive part that he says, prove it, and you go, oh, watch me. I'll prove it. But we are called to live under the banner of the Lord Most High, and he gets to prove it. We don't have to prove it. Satan wants us to be defensive. 
to rely on our own strength instead of relying on the Lord. And normally, that's how he operates to make us fall, to make us think that we can do it. We can, I can do this. I can, how many, how many times have you been like in a self-help coaching thing or listened to something online and you're like, just, just name it and claim it. Like, keep saying it, keep saying it. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Positive self-talk. We need all the cheerleaders. Those are all good things. But when we're leaving the Lord out, it doesn't work. When we're, when we're not under that covering, we're, we're doing it all. We're holding everything up ourselves, and we're not strong enough. And so we have to choose to abide in the Lord. We have to choose to dwell constantly in the shadow of the Almighty. And that's what it says in Psalms 91. We have to exist under his company covering. And Jesus knew. He knew the enemy's tricks, and he knew that the solution was to stay under the covering that his father had provided for him. And so Jesus responds, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because when you get your sustenance from every word that comes from the mouth of God, you don't have to prove anything. And Jesus knew this. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And Jesus lived on every word that comes out of the mouth of his Father. He wants us, the Lord wants to feed us perfect food. He wants to feed us exactly what we need when we need it. Jesus said, I don't need to make bread for myself because my Father's prepared food for me. And it's worth waiting for. We have to rely on God to provide everything in his timing. We also learn humility in this. We learn humility when we rely on God for every single thing that we need. We learn humility when we say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. We learn humility when we exist under a covering and operate offensively because he's our defense. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you, causing you hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Some of us are in a manna season. We really need to hear this today, that we need to eat exactly what the Lord is feeding us, only what the Lord is feeding us, not what the internet's feeding us, not what a podcast is feeding us, not what the world is feeding us. And we need to stop trying to take more than he's ready to give us. The Lord knows the Lord has a plan and he has a meal prepared for you. And he gives you just enough. He gives you ex exactly what you need. But sometimes we get greedy and sometimes we say, oh, Lord, I want to know more. Lord, I want to know all the things about you. I want to know all the things about this scripture. And the Lord says, focus on this. This is enough for right now. And then I'll give you some more, and I'll give you some more, and I'll give you some more when you're ready to eat it, when you're ready to have it. And so Jesus knew that the food that his father had for him was worth waiting for. Next, Satan says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan is quoting a verse from Psalms 91 and taking it completely out of context. He's basically saying, go ahead, Jesus. If you do this, the Bible says, because the Bible's the truth, right? 
the Bible says that those angels are going to come rescue you. Like, you're not even going to hurt your little baby toe. The angel, the Bible says that they will come rescue you. How many of you know Satan loves mind tricks? He artificially creates crises that we think need to be solved. He's trying to create a crisis for Jesus and Father God to solve. And Jesus says, no, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And inside of this part, I was really struck because this is where Jesus says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. This was tempting to him. This was tempting to him to show everyone who the Lord is, to reveal the truth of the Lord. The Bible tells us in various places, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, but the Lord knows what temptation feels like. And yet, he did not sin. Temptation is not the sin. The sin is the sin. This, this was a test. This was Satan challenging who God is, and more than anything, Jesus wanted to say, this is my Father. He is the I am that I am that I am. And that was tempting for the Lord. But he knew that Satan will turn the truth. Satan will twist truth around to attack your loyalty to God's sovereignty. Let me say that a different way. Satan will use truth to manipulate your loyalty to God. He, he used the word. The word is truth. When we truly fear the Lord, or if we truly feel, fear the Lord, we will serve and obey him only. And that's what Jesus is showing us here. He's not going to be tempted by a challenge. He's not going to sin because of the challenge. And he's going to wait for the Lord's timing and live under his covering. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6.16 here. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But if we look back a couple verses in Deuteronomy 6.13, it says, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Fear the Lord your God. Do not put the Lord to the test. The definition of fear here is respect and reverence and awe and honor. It is not cowering in fear, hiding in the corner because it's scary. It is respecting who the Lord is. And we are called to have a deep respect, a deep reverence for the Lord and who he is. And we respect him by living under that covering and allowing him to be our defense. Surrendering is an offensive position. And the Bible says again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of all the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. One of Satan's strategies is to try and convince us that there's a shortcut to our destiny. 
in this part of the temptation and the challenge, he's basically saying, I will give you everything. The Lord had given Satan dominion over the earth. The earth was his. And he said, I'll give you everything. He's basically saying, Let's, you can fast forward this. You don't have to go through this. You can bring kingdom to heaven, kingdom to earth right now. And you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do all this junk and mumbo jumbo. Like, we know you're God. Everybody can know you're God. And because you're God, you can do this. You can skip that. Satan convinces us that there's a shortcut to our destiny. How tempting must it have been for Jesus, who knew what was coming. I mean, I just think of the garden and how he asked the Lord, take this from me, take this from me. This wasn't something that he was super stoked about. Just saying. He could have brought heaven to earth sooner. But he knew that living and abiding under his father's covering, under his father's perfect will and plan, was the right way. Jesus didn't need to be tempted to grow into the person he was supposed to be. Jesus didn't need to be tempted to have some sort of spiritual revelation as to who he was. Jesus went through this and was tempted in the desert so that he could identify with us, so that he could empathize with us in our situations and our lives and our feelings. Hebrews 2.18 says, He himself suffered when he was tempted, so he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then Hebrews 4.15 says, We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we, and yet he did not sin. Jesus endured temptation to show us his holy character, his sinless character, so that we would know that he truly understands every single temptation that we've had and that he's there to help us when we live under that covering. And so the best part about this is Jesus' holy character is available to us also when we live under that covering, when we walk in relationship with him, when we walk so close to him that we pick up the dust that he's kicking up in front of us. When we follow Holy Spirit into whatever it is, those are the times when he teaches us his character. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. When the trial had ended, the angels came and ministered to Jesus. God never forsakes those who endure through temptation. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And no matter what the temptation is, he loves us and he honors us as we endure. God will find a way to minister to us and meet our needs in that space and time as we endure temptation. And we prepare for these things by having an offensive strategy, by relying on the Holy Spirit, by relying on the Lord, by relying on the Word to teach us the character of Christ so that we can develop the character of God that can stand up to the devil, the character of the God that walks into something following the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead us, existing under his covering and his banner 
so that he can be our defender, so that we can get ready for the things that he has planned for us. He, he creates a safe space. He creates a safe space so we can read the word and we can study and we can do all the things if we'll just give up all the 500 other things we're thinking about, right? I mean, let me let you in on a little Amy secret. My brain is going 5 million miles an hour. Like, it is so hard for me to focus sometimes, even in worship. I'm thinking about potluck. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about all the things. I'm thinking about something I said two weeks ago to somebody else. And the Lord calls me to live under his covering and stop thinking about those things because he's going to take care of them. I don't need to worry about it. He's going to take care of it. The little silly things and the big crazy things, right? God's love and grace provides opportunity also for us to come back under the covering. Some of us get in these seasons, whether they're manna seasons or whether they're just seasons of selfishness or self-centeredness or maybe, maybe idolistic thinking, wanting to be this or that or wanting to have this or that. A lot of those things happen when we've stepped out of the covering of what the Lord's provided for us. And he calls us and provides space for us to come back. We can always come home when Jesus is our home. And so today I want to encourage you to really listen to what Holy Spirit is saying to you. What does that mean for you individually, specifically, to exist and abide under the covering of the Almighty and to let him fight your battles? Every single battle that you can think of, big and little. Arguments with a two-year-old, arguments with your boss. God's got it. We have nothing to prove because Jesus has already proven it. He's already won the battle. Also, if you have not had a chance to listen to the last few weeks of sermons, I encourage you. The Lord is leading us as a team, as a staff, as a culture, as a church into this season of kingdom culture. And really being the family of God, the community of God, living and existing together under this banner. And the Lord's going to take care of us, and he's going to keep us, and he's going to speak to us each individually, but along the same lines so that we can move. Who wants a move of the Spirit? Come on. So that we can move in him and follow his lead into what he has for us. But we cannot have a defensive posture. We have to be prepared. We have to be offensive and let him fight every single little battle. So Leslie's going to come and pray for offering and get us ready. I want to, again, um, lovingly invite you out to the potluck after church. Um, you don't feel like you have to go run and get anything. Just come and hang out. Come and love each other under the banner of the love of Jesus. Um, we really do love you and want to get to know you and want to be in community together in a more consistent way. So, Father God, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. We thank you that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, Lord, and that we get to follow you, Lord. Help us to release and break down whatever we need to in order to submit 100% to your will, to your authority, to your sovereignty so that you can really fight our battles because we don't have to, Lord. I thank you, I worship you, and I praise you for who you are and that you love us. In your name, amen.